Welcome to Talk West, where every episode we'll be diving into the latest topics and trends in advertising, marketing, design, and more. I'm your host, Chris Bunn, and I'm joined by the Director of Marketing at Walk West, Mike Manganiello. What's up, Mike? Good, man. How are you holding in there? I'm surviving. I feel like that's uh, that's the operating procedure for everybody these days. Yeah, it's the last time we chatted. I think I was telling you how I don't know how I was going to do from working from home. I have to say, I'm actually, um, I don't mind it as much as I thought I would. Yeah, starting to adapt. Starting to adapt. I think it's one of these things day by day. I, I mean, I can't believe we're already at Friday, but I think once we got into a routine, I have started uh, having a routine of showering and dress, like I mentioned last time I wasn't doing, so <laughs> that's good. So we're making progress, um, but yeah, it's not, as, it's not as hard as it used to be, I think. Awesome. Well, we're also joined by Lizzie Newton, the Senior Content Strategist at Walk West. Lizzie, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. So are you showering and getting dressed like Mango now? I am. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I am proudly doing that on a regular basis, and uh, I do self-high-five afterwards, so it's good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, these are unprecedented times, uh, so we're here to talk a little bit about the advertising business during quarantine. We've started to see several brands reshape their messaging and kind of uh, scramble quite quickly. I think that's that's pretty impressive, actually, when you look at how quickly they've turned around some of these ads uh, to talk about their differentiators in this time where everybody is working from home or may have lost their jobs. Uh, it's a completely unique environment out there. So it's interesting to see how some of these companies have reacted. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is Carvana. Their messaging strategy has been to highlight purchasing the car from home and a touchless delivery. They've been airing commercials on Hulu, streaming platforms, network TV, you name it, to get this message out there that you can still buy a car without having to go to a dealership. So, Lizzie, let's uh, start with you. Is this kind of feature a true game changer for car dealerships in this day and age? Yeah, well, there are two things that I thought about when I was watching this, um, you know, recently. One, to your point, is it a game changer? Yes, I think it's kind of a more of a call to action of like, how are you going to think about this differently? I think all brands, and that's not just in the car industry, but like any sort of brand, like hospitality, restaurants, um, anything that's really dependent on that, you know, one-to-one kind of interaction needs to kind of think about how they're going to reposition or think about it differently. Um, and Carvana is a really excellent point of not only doing that, but doing that really quickly. So by integrating in that messaging of like touchless and safety, like that was a really quick pivot that they just kind of folded into something they were already doing and didn't necessarily have to change what their uh, kind of branding strategy was. Yeah, it was like it was finally our time to shine. You know what I mean? Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but it felt seamless with who they were and what they were doing before all of this. So it, it's kind of an interesting way of like how just a quick change of wording can kind of make it relevant for Corona or COVID. Yeah. Mike, what did you think of this ad? Yeah, you know, what I think I'm just more surprised about is how quickly a lot of these companies have been getting this out there, right? So I think one of the things that we've been discussing at Walk West is, you know, we've had a bunch of clients that are looking to produce videos, but you can't, you know, you can't physically video anybody or anything, right? So can't get a shoot together or anything. Can't get a shoot together. So it's using footage that you already have or buying stock footage. And then just kind of overlaying with a different message. So, but I, I agree. I think, you know, uh, we'll go through a couple of examples, but just being able to 
be on message and, and acknowledging what's happening and but then offering up i think a lot of the other brands are offering up kind of a positive like we're in there with you message as well it's it's good it's resonating i don't know how much it will equate to sales but um, <laughs> I, I think it's a, a good strategy what some people are doing you bring up a really good point though mike um you know they took current footage and they just tweaked the overlay message so they weren't reshooting something they weren't doing an entirely new campaign it was really just kind of building on it and and making it you know relevant for this time yeah i mean Doing a voiceover like that, that's something anyone could just record in their home. So this is really something they could do, honestly, with one person. One editor could put this together for them. And as long as they have like that messaging strategy there, this is something you could do remotely in this time. To counter Cadillac is advertising flexible payment options and free OnStar crisis assist. So their approach has been uh, not for new buyers, but to retain those existing customers. And I thought this was an interesting strategy because, you know, we talk about Carvana and theirs is very much to get new buyers. Theirs was to get people in the door and say, look, you can still buy a car. But buying a car is a huge purchase and people aren't exactly willing to just go out and splash 20, 30, 40 grand on a new car right now because of so much uncertainty. So Cadillac kind of doubled down and said, you know what? We're going to look at our existing customers. We don't expect anyone to really defect right now. How can we enhance that customer experience for them? So, Lizzie, what did you think about that strategy in comparison to what Carvana is doing? I think it's smart. And, uh, and honestly, I think it's also really self-aware. Cadillac is a luxury brand. Um, that's a different kind of marketing aim and directive than something like Carvana, which is probably that can be a range of price points, right? So Cadillac is, is got a very certain kind of affiliation with it. So to, to provide another level of service is on brand for them. They, they, again, this kind of luxury experience, but then it's also kind of just alleviating and assuading just any sort of fears that their current customers may have about needing service on their vehicles and how are they going to access that. So, um, you know, this is, to me, felt more like a brand play and a really thoughtful one. And to your point of not necessarily getting new customers, but but really kind of helping their current customers feel good about their purchase and, and aligning with their brand. And that, to me, is kind of a longer-term brand play as well, of like something you'll remember. I think it's interesting to note which brands are going more towards, hey, let's you know enable sales, let's get people coming in the door, how can we keep that pipeline open, versus the companies that are saying, like, you know what, let's pull back, let's really enhance our customer experience, let's look at our brand, how can we tighten that ship up, because they're not trying to generate new sales in this time. Those approaches, I think, are interesting because it kind of tells you where each of these companies is in their like current status, you know what I mean? No, that's a great point. I think it's interesting where um, it doesn't totally align exactly what they're doing, but like a, a lot of companies are moving towards this kind of quote unquote freemium model now, right? Mm-hmm. I just read something yesterday that HBO is opening up their library of let's just say yeah. 40 shows, all these movies for free for the next you know month or two. I mean, I think we talked about in the last episode, you could think of Zoom, any other, any, almost any digital product or tool right now is offering the same type of um, freemium model right now. And because uh, it's, you know, the time that, you know, people are at home or thinking about uh, income and, and how they don't have a lot of it, 
Um, a lot of these brands are just going to say, you know, try our product for free. We'd love to have you as a customer longer term, but we understand what you're going through and we want to make it the, the easiest transition. We want to make you smile or happy. And there's one thing you don't need to worry about. Here you go. And, you know, goodwill and maybe long term it turns into an acquired customer. So I think, yeah, I mean, some brands are doing it better than others, but just to acknowledge and offer something to help you out, I think it's a, a great act of goodwill, but also in their mind, they're business people, and hopefully they'll be able to get that customer in, in the long term. Right. And and what's really interesting to me is um, there are also brands that don't necessarily have products. So Chipotle is an, an example. They are not something that they can offer that necessarily outside of just delivery to your door. Right. So what are they doing on something like social where they can't provide you with like a free experience of, you know, a tech platform or, or you know, like or streaming. Right. So they've done some cool messaging on Twitter where it's just like, this is hard. Like we're going to be online today just to connect with people like come to zoom join us here and like let's just create a community and that to me is kind of fascinating because you're you're creating this sense of kind of connection with one another outside of what you're directly selling or what your product is itself um, it still keeps their kind of playful language and tone but it's it's just kind of a different approach to it all because what we are craving is, is that sense of connection of, of community and and you can kind of create messaging around that that's still authentic and, and true to your brand. You know, on that note, uh, I tried Netflix party last night with a, a few of our friends. And, you know, it's just a, a simple uh, extension that they've added to Google Chrome. It's, it's a small enhancement on their brand. And it doesn't really change your behavior or your interaction with their brand. But it gives you and your friends or your family an opportunity to just have a shared experience, you know, watch the same movie, watch the same TV show, talk about it, hang out. And it really took a, it, it, they seized on an opportunity where they knew like they don't have to sell their brand right now. Like everybody's at home streaming TV shows. Like I'm sure they're doing very, very well. So they took that opportunity to say, you know what? We don't need to make sales. What we need to do is enhance the experience. And I find myself more drawn to brands that practice that. And I think in this time, like, that's probably the better play. Yeah, totally. And there's so much innovation in that, to your point, like about how they're kind of like reacting and creating new experiences for this kind of <laughs> strange environment. The other thing I love about Netflix too is like they're still doing their advertising and they've pivoted their campaign. So they're doing a like billboard campaign out of home that is spoilers for the shows. And it's, and the messaging is basically you should have stayed at home. Like we just spoiled the whole show for you. You should be at home. I did and love so that. It's this it's hilarious to me. It's funny. It's playful, but it's also a really important social message around, yeah, you should be at home. And it, and it takes a position for their brand on what they want you to do in addition to the fact that it's related to their products. Sorry to spoil this, but that's actually not a real campaign. <laughs> really? Oh, even uh, better. I thought it was. I was like, this is great. <laughs> creative guy who, who mock, did a lot of mock-ups. I'm with you. I saw it. I was like, this is genius. And then I read deeper into it and it just, you know, uh, some creative director just mocked it up. Mm. <laughs> Clever, smart. On top of that, like, I will own the fact that I just saw it, got <laughs> yeah. excited and was like, this is cool what brands are thinking no. about and doing. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and to that same point, though, like, 
the creativity that goes into some of that thinking of how you can, even if it is fake and even <laughs> if it isn't actually out of home, the fact that I thought when, you know, like Chris thought too, like yeah. that all three of us took a second look, even with all the things that we look at on a daily basis of that means that it's an interesting message and it felt like it was part of their brand. Oh yeah. It was a great concept. Yeah. You, it really felt like, okay, this is something that they would do. Totally. It's cool. Yeah. Uh, with sports shut down worldwide, Budweiser, which is typically a huge investor in sports advertising uh, as well as sponsoring events, has chosen to allocate those investments into the American Red Cross to host blood drives in empty stadiums nationwide. You know, I personally thought this was a really classy move, and it was a beautifully done commercial. You know, it starts out with that whole team thematic of like, you know, we're not cheering for the Reds or for the Blues, you know, this and that. You know, this year we're one team. And I thought this kind of gesture, whether, you know, like, I'm sure they're getting like a business kickback for doing something like this. I'm sure it's tax deductible. Like, that's all fine and good. But at the end of the day, they're still creating an opportunity to help people through money that ordinarily would have been wasted. So I wanted to get your thoughts on this ad campaign. I think it's one of the better ones we've seen. Yeah, I loved it. You know, it felt meaningful and um, the pace was interesting. Even the graphics, that kind of like graph black and white with like pops of color um subtle emphasis on the fact that they were wearing gloves and matt i mean just like little things that were just creatively beautiful but also just a kind of welcome message it was different than necessarily sending out like this is what budweiser is doing you know as an email you know those covid messages we're all getting from you know brands and things that we haven't interacted with in 10 years (laughs) um (laughs) but like And so this one felt deeply powerful, deeply meaningful. And while it was serious, it still had that sense of community, like, um, you know, the woman reading the book and and all of these things that we can relate to on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I I talk with our clients a lot about uh, human touch and how Mm -hmm. in a digital age, we've got so used to seeing like, you know, flat colors and like these digital interfaces that have consumed the vast majority of, of our time now that... When we start seeing advertising or uh, product placement that seems organic and real, it's so much easier for us to connect to or at least you know long for that or aspire for that. And so this humanitarian commercial, I felt was really, really powerful in that regard because it was connecting you back to the people. I, I love, like you pointed out, the design of it, you know, isolating some of the colors. It was just beautifully well done and well paced. Uh, Mango, what did you think of this ad? Yeah, no, I agree. And I think I think it was smart for them to do. I also I, I kind of categorize this on a lot of the brands that are um, creating products that they're not used to creating to help out, be it ventilators or masks. You know, I think every day I, there's another brand that is doing something. And a lot of these, I think Budweiser is creating hand, um, hand sanitizer. A lot of alcohol companies are creating hand sanitizer. It goes back to just Goodwill or Crocs is giving out millions of Crocs to hospital workers and stuff like that hmm. of, you know, we're all in this together. They have the product, they have the reach, then they're going to do whatever it takes to help out. So I think, yeah, it's all great and uh, very strong. It's a very strong ad. I think Nike did something as well that was just like straight and poignant, like just stay home. We're all in this together. We'll all win if you stay home. Oh, yeah. Uh, Their messaging was something like, you know, play, this is your opportunity to play for the world or play in front of the world, yeah. something like that. Yeah. That was a strong, strong campaign. That's a beautiful campaign. And yeah. so, 
so poignant and it's just elegance like it's purely textual uh on the ads that they're showing like it just it feels like them but it's it's i don't know it was such a kind of change of pace yeah we've talked a lot on on our podcast so far about how some of the most powerful ads especially when we look back at the super bowl are the ones that disrupt your expectations and specifically like like you mentioned with nike where it was text space it was clean it was a little bit quieter you know what i mean and like that draws you in more than like seeing a commercial now that's like big music you know it's got imagine dragon soundtrack and like explosions and stuff (laughs) like that we're just we're accustomed to tuning that out so when an ad uh starts with something that's very slow paced piano music like this budweiser one is or the nike ads that they put out which are simply text it just draws you in more because it lacks the noise of so many other ad campaigns It does. I agree with you. All right, Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us this week. Next up, I sat down with our new director of strategy and partnerships at Walk West, Abba Bowers. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So first of all, let's just tell us about your new role here and and what you're looking forward to over the coming months. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to join on as a director of strategy and partnerships. So that's a compilation of new business efforts as well as marketing strategy. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So our CEO, Donald Thompson, said he's been trying to recruit you for over a year. How did you guys connect? What's the story behind that? It was very serendipitous. Once my family and I knew that we wanted to move to Raleigh, North Carolina, a little background is I'm an agency rat. I've been to many agencies. I have done client side, but you can take the girl out of the agency, but you can't take the agency out of the girl. Oh, okay. I was very selective having experienced different agencies in my career, and Walk West undoubtedly set out to me as the agency to be at in North Carolina. So I actually looked you guys up. I stalked you for a little bit, a little healthy (laughs) creeping, and then I provided them information online. There was a position open that I put my hat in the ring for, and it all started from there. So what gravitated you towards WalkWest? I think what popped out to me was the happiness, the genuine happiness and culture of your company, the diversity of your company, but mostly it was evident that you guys are open to taking risk. And speaking about failure and actually accepting failure was very appealing to me. You know, failure is weird to say this, but I think failure is one of my favorite things Mm -hmm. because I feel like it reveals a lot of someone's character and and how they learn and grow from that kind of failure. Is that something you would say is something you also look forward to? Absolutely. I don't believe that passive marketing is to anyone's benefit. Being a yes man is not what clients hire us for. We're here to challenge them, to grow them. They're the experts in their field. We're the experts in ours. But being able to feel that you have the opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them was really what appealed me to Walk West. Yeah, that yes man attitude is so interesting to me because I feel like many companies will hire an agency because we just need you to do work. Mm -hmm. But that's not really an attitude that we have here. You know, one of our our core values is that we give a damn. And Mm -hmm. I feel like actually caring about the client's bottom line is important, but it's also like we're looking after you. We want to make sure that we're taking care of you. And I think that's just really important for an agency. Mm -hmm. I think many times and not in my experience, I found clients will come with an RFP and say they have this need and this is what they think they need. But once you actually do discovery, you're like, you know what, we can benefit you in this other way. Are you open to that? And then it's kind of mind blowing of like, wow, I didn't know that was the actual problem. Okay, let's start here and then progress from there. Yeah. Do you have any good examples of that 
this is a fun story if you want to talk about serendipity here. But <laughs> so it, it started at the last agency I was at about four or five years ago. And we had an RFP come through from a customer and they thought they just needed a new brand. Mm-hmm. And that was it. And when we had said, okay, well, what we want to do your rebranding from a creative perspective, tell us about your audience. Who are they? And why are you saying they are who they are? While the audience turned out to be 25 to 54, male, female. That was a bit broad. And we then realized there wasn't sufficient customer research um, done or segmentation. And when you're in the financial industry, it is very confusing to customers. It's a very emotional industry. But you also uh, have 50 million products and services that you're trying to sell to these consumers. So we we immediately found the need to do market research as well. Um, once we had done that, we naturally had four different target segmentations bubble up to the top, which then made our media efforts much more efficient. Creative then was sound. We did A-B testing. And we had buyership from everybody. Everyone had skin in the game to support the efforts. And then naturally over time, we baked in analytics and saw the revenue correlated to our efforts directly. So it was a very fulfilling effort. It took some time. And when you're fortunate enough to have a client that can trust you and take that leap of faith with you, it's amazing to see the results that you do together. I feel like that client relationship that you just spoke to is so crucial because Mm -hmm. you have to have the right client that's willing to to work with you and be open to new ideas, especially if it's something that they didn't bring to the table for you. Um, one of the things we love to do is talk to our clients, figure out what exactly their needs are and not necessarily just what they're asking about. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we'll go back to the drawing board and we'll say, hey, what if we did this for them? You know, right. what if we propose a new idea? It's got some revenue growing opportunities, but this is really more of a, it's got wins not only in PR, but in the marketing realm. And it's something that would elevate the experience of their brand so much further. So I feel like it's very important to collaborate with a client and find ways that you can do that with them. Absolutely. I think you really have to earn the respect of the client and you have to show that you really care about their business because you need to. Mm. And I think that can take some time. There are going to be instances, many instances where it's not going to move the needle. There are just different perspectives and that's okay. Mm-hmm. But over time they may see their objective may not have been met in the way in which they had hoped. Mm. So you can also recommend different instances of A-B testing or, okay, let's give this a shot and not go too far down the path. Sure. Um, you can give it as many shots as you can, but usually two or three is when you got to just rein it back in. <laughs> have you ever, ever had any big surprises like that with a client where you tested something, you wanted to explore a new route, and then all of a sudden, boom, that was not what you expected, and it took you to an, you know, a cool new path. Mm-hmm. Yes, we did creative testing for a rebrand, and we had two different versions, and the entire team was absolutely convinced that one of which was going to be the clear winner, uh-huh. and it actually was 51 to 49%, Ooh. and we were shocked. But the silver lining was, we're like, well, let's go with 51% first out of the gate, and when we need to do a creative refresh in a few years on the line, as most companies should engage in, we have a great starting point. How often do you think a, a company should rebrand? So my personal refresh, perspective, yeah. yeah, I think a campaign definitely should be refreshed depending on the frequency of messaging and marketing every one to two years. Okay. Now, yeah. I'm not talking about changing your tagline and your logo. I'm talking right. about your actual marketing efforts. Right. Yeah, I think I kind of agree with that because I think there's an opportunity for you always to stay current. You know, people mm-hmm. notice your brand first and foremost. Right. And so if you're broadcasting that, hey, we're constantly evolving, we're looking for new ways, people will assume that's the way you conduct business as well. Right. And so we just recently kind of went under under 
went underwent mm-hmm. <laughs> a brand refresh ourselves. And I think it's really important because I'm already looking ahead to 2021. Like, what can we do to evolve it, not necessarily change it? Because I think it's important to build upon that rather than just shifting your direction. It's so important that we practice what we preach, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you're not willing to do it for yourself, why would a client believe that you're going to be willing to do it for them? Exactly. You know? So, yeah, I think that's just very important. So your last company had over a thousand employees, right? And you've worked for a few companies with hundreds, but what was attractive to you about working for a smaller company like us? So my favorite place of employment before, my favorite agency, I should say, actually there's two, uh, one of which was a startup and I was the third employee. Wow. And my task was, it was a Rochester-based agency, and my task was to open the agency in New York and recruit people and train them in account management and new business. And that level of camaraderie that I had with my two teammates was exceptional. We mm-hmm. were so small that we worked out of an apartment, and oh. then we worked out of a WeWork office, and then we worked so hard that we got enough revenue to have our own office space. And that was so rewarding. And to be able to help guide that company directionally in regards to processes and timelines and budgeting and teach people and bring them on board and, you know, put the stake in the ground of setting that culture and that tone was such a rewarding experience. And then the other one is an agency in New York, and it was about 30 people. And it was a very diverse population. I had a really good friend that was Turkish. You know, we had all, all sorts of different people all different walks of life. And that is what reminded me also of Walk West. Mm-hmm. I look around and I see everyone's different backgrounds. There's so many transplants, there's folks from here. Yeah. It's so it's just like an exciting environment. And when you have different experiences and different walks of life, you, you have different mindsets, which gives you much more creativity um, and options to riff and brainstorm and come up with great ideas. So I think there's a lot of opportunity in that sense. Yeah, that's one of the things that attracted me here as well. You know, working with those bigger companies, I realized in order to change anything, there were 15 people I had to go through to get anything done. Uh, Here, we're just so much more agile, and it allows us to create and change things on a dime, really, you know, and it's just really fun. And that diversity perspective, I think, is really interesting for WalkWest as well, because I know on my immediate team, we have people from Virginia, South Carolina, uh, all over the, the East. And so it's really cool to get people from those different backgrounds because they always bring a perspective that maybe you hadn't considered. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's talk about what you want to achieve working here. You know, there's a lot of potential about WalkWest. It's one of the things that attracted me to this opportunity. It mm-hmm. sounds like it attracted you as well. What do you want to get out of this? Where do you want to grow this company? It is absolutely evident that Walk West is at a very critical turning point in its stature. And I am very excited to be a part of that and help shape that and roll up my sleeves and contribute based on my experiences. And it's like it's bubbling at the surface. And I know this volcano is just going to explode and become something immense. And that that is something that I am very, very excited to help contribute to. It seems like the it speaks to your your goals of growing and the potential that the company offers. Is that something you feel like you normally are gravitated towards? Mm-hmm. I love growth, but I'm also very conservative when it comes to culture. Mm. You don't want to grow too fast. I've seen that many times. You grow too fast, you more so fill in bodies than the right folks or you grow too fast and it's not the the right type of client match for the organization or for the people and then you can get burnout so i do love growth but it's selective growth uh a few of the things that you mentioned are culture diversity and risk Mm -hmm. risks can sound like kind of a negative word so what was it that attracted you to walk west about that risk there was a blog post that brian our founder Mm -hmm. had posted about it being okay to say no 
to a client, to our peers. And there are right ways and wrong ways of saying no, but knowing that from the bottom down, it's acceptable to disagree and have healthy conversations and legitimately hearing that from him was refreshing. Also during my interview, he had said, you know, we're not here just to roll over per se and give a client exactly what they want. We're here to challenge themselves and ourselves and being able to have the support of senior management to actually do that was incredible and a big draw for me. Uh, a little peek behind the curtain. When I interviewed, I met with Brian and that was one of the questions he asked me how I would handle a situation with a client where I disagreed with the route that they want to go. Uh, I don't remember my, my answer word for word. But Clearly it was a good one because yeah, you're here right now. It was good enough, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's really important because it's, and we talked a little bit about this earlier. I think it's important for clients to understand that you're on their side right. and that I'm not just going to be that yes man that you mentioned. I'm not just going to do what you want me to do because right. it's not necessarily what's always in your best interest. Mm-hmm. You know, if we evaluate everything, we understand the context and we say, you know what, this is right. Let's do this. We can do it really, really well. That's one thing. If you evaluate and say like, well, there's room for improvement. You mm-hmm. know, you want the ice cream, you want the chocolate sauce, but can we add sprinkles? Right. You know, can we add the chocolate chips? Is there a way for us to make this a little bit better and still present you with what you are looking for? Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important to do for a lot of clients because honestly, like if you're if you're a client and your agency of record is not doing that for you, maybe you should evaluate that relationship a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Like, are they really looking out for your best interest or are they just trying to cash checks? Right. Yeah. You know? I think internally too, risk is a beautiful word. Because that means that we are not okay with being complacent. If there are new processes we want to try, new applications we want to try, a new vertical that we don't have currently that we want to try, yeah, we might fail, but how would we know if we don't give it a shot? Walk West, our, our motto is forge ahead, you know. And a lot of those new paths that people forge through the trailblazers, it's inherently risky. You don't know what you're getting into. You know, when Lewis and Clark went West, they had no idea what was it before them. They had guesses. They had examples of what they thought could be out there, but inherently risky was their journey. And so I think you have to have a little bit of that risk or otherwise you're just going to be following everyone else. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be the leader, you have to face the headwinds, so mm-hmm. to speak. So I think that's extremely important for a company. Let's do the lightning rounds. Okay. All right. We're going to put a minute on the clock Okay. and we're going to hit uh, a few either or topics. Done. Yeah. All right. Okay. Paris or London? Paris. Red or white wine? White wine. Spring or fall? Fall. Summer or winter? Winter. Hot music or classic rock? Classic rock. Waffles or pancakes? Waffles. Caribbean vacation or backpacking through Europe? Backpacking through Europe. Read a book by the fire or binge watch a TV series? Book by the fire. Harry Potter or Game of Thrones? Harry Potter. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Morning or night person? TBD. (laughs) Reality TV or Hallmark movies? Reality TV. Cake or pie? Cake. And this is a big one for our office. Cookout or char grill? Cookout. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love red wine, but today would be white. You got to pick, right? Depends on the day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that was perfect. All right. Thanks for coming on the show, Abba. This was great to get to know you, and I look forward to working with you. Thank you for West. having me. Me too. All right, thanks for listening to Talk West. Please subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to rate and review us. To find out more about one of the fastest growing agencies in North Carolina, go to walkwest.com.